Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch, and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer, as always, is Lou Pellegrino. This week, it is a guest who was on the Sports Illustrated Podcast three years ago, and she returns, but she returns being majorly in the news. Renee Young made her WWE television debut on March 29th, 2012, and has since held a variety of on-air assignments for that company, as WWE fans know. This month, in what is a historic announcement, no matter what you think of professional wrestling, Renee Young was named as the full-time or as named as a full-time commentator on Monday Night Raw. That is the WWE's flagship show and a program that regularly draws around three million viewers weekly against Monday Night Football. It is a longtime juggernaut. Renee Young is also a native of Canada. We like that. An alum of the score, which makes her a far more successful score alum than ESPN's Adnan Verk. Renee Young <laughs> joins us on the Sports Media Podcast. Renee, thank you very much for doing this, and congratulations. Thank you. First of all, shout out to Adnan Burke because he's a badass, and I love him. Um, and secondly, you kind of just psyched me out. I mean, that like lead up to everything that's happened. I'm like, man, I have butterflies right now thinking about it. Um, it's very exciting, um, and I'm just hoping that I can really fill these shoes. All right, so Renee, that's, I'm glad you brought that up because this is my first, my first question for you is this. Why has this job... Why has this six-year run that you're on at the WWE worked out as well as it has for you? Oh, wow. Gosh, I wish I knew that answer. Um, I, you know what? I'm not sure. I think it's a, I think it's a combination of, like, I'm, I'm constantly knocking on everyone's door, looking for more to do, trying to find new ways to prove myself, trying to find a bigger platform to get on to, to have my voice be heard and to, to, and to take on a bigger role. Um, you know, I've never been satisfied just doing the things that I've been doing uh, in WWE. My favorite parts thus far, aside from now commentating on Monday Night Raw, has been doing the kickoff panels and having a little more longer format to, to do my thing. So I think that's definitely been something that's been a great place for me to um, sort of flex that muscle and let everybody know that I can do that. But I also think over time, it's like being able to gain the trust um, the trust and the respect of so many of the people that I work with. And that can definitely be a difficult thing to accomplish, I think, anywhere. Uh, but, you know, somewhere like WWE to go in there and try to change things and try to be a part of a change is such a cool thing. It's at such a great time with everything going on with WWE and the positioning of so many different women. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's just a matter of uh, being that squeaky wheel, I'm always trying to look for more stuff to do, and they're like, all right, fine, do something. (laughs) I think I need a little bit of that. Renee, um, as specific as you can, um, how did you find out you got the raw job? Who told you, and how did they tell you? So I found out that I was going to be filling in for Coach for the first time. It was at SmackDown when we were in Orlando, and uh, Michael Cole called me aside in this very serious somber voice of like, Hey, we got to talk. I'm like, Oh my God, what's going on? Uh, and he's like, Hey, you're going to be calling Monday night raw next week. I was like, what? Why? 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 What what are you talking about? Like immediately my stress levels. I'm like, who approved this? What's going on? Um, and then, you know, he starts laughing and we're really excited and like, he is a good friend of mine. So it was like, funny for him to be able to deliver that news to me just to see what my reaction was going to be that finally this gigantic opportunity has landed on my lap um 
And then right after that, Triple H was right there. So he he confirmed that, yes, this is happening. Um, and then I, as I walked further down the hallway, Vince McMahon was there. I gave him a big hug and said, thank you for the opportunity. Um, and then just the conversations that I had with Michael Cole leading up to that about just how important that moment was going to be to go out there for those three hours and really impress everybody and be prepared and um, to kind of roll with those punches. And it was such an odd thing because as much as I can say that I freaked out and got very nervous, but honestly, when it got closer to doing it, it felt, it actually just felt like the right thing to do. Like I got this sort of like weird calm over me, which has never really happened before. And it, it just sort of let me, really exist in that moment as truly as I could uh, and to do the best job that I could. And yeah, just, just the build up to getting there. And a few days prior, I had just done the May Young Classic. So I had just called 32 matches, which was an insane boot camp for me to get ready to go out and call Raw. And luckily I was working with Michael Cole on that as well. So and him and I've never worked together in that capacity at all. He's always just been sort of boss mentor, but we've never been able to do that together. So I was like, wow, how is that even going to go? And he's just such a pro. He's so, so good at what he does. Um, so I always knew that I was going to be in the best hands and he was going to set me up for success. Um, and then, yeah, doing doing Monday Night Raw for the very first time, um, it went better than I could have even really asked for it to go. I felt comfortable and trying to find my groove, um, trying to let people see my relationships with Cole and with Graves to, to see that chemistry that was there. I think that that sort of bubbled up to the surface in little moments here and there. Um, and then I got to fill in for coach again, um, hoping that everything would still be good. Um, and then, yeah, when they wanted to make that final decision it, and it was sort of a slow build up to see if I could hang, if I could do it. Um, and then just the decision was made. All right. If she's, if she wants to do this and we're all on the same page, to uh, to have her out there, have a woman calling Monday Night Raw, then let's all greenlight it and let's forge forward with it, and that's exactly what happened. Is that you think that decision ultimately is Vince and or Vince Stephanie Triple H? Are they the ultimate arbiters, or because Cole always. is sort of I mean, is, is in everything? Okay, yeah, every everything is always going to be coming through Vince Hunter Stephanie, um, and you know I, I got to say I mean so from everybody there. Um, anybody in the, the higher brass in WWE have always been so good to me and they listen um, when I have things that I need to say to them or conversations I want to have with them. Hunter has been uh, somebody who has um, been in my corner a lot, him and Stephanie, uh, big time leading up to uh, this moment. Even from the time that I was calling NXT and I, I was not ready to do commentary at that uh, at that point in my career. I was so New to WWE, I didn't know I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't as comfortable talking about the product in the way that that we do talk about the product and what my role was going to be. I didn't want to overstep any of my boundaries or anything. Um, so, you know, even from that point on to to all of the different highs and lows and different career points that I've had with WWE, Hunter and Steph have been there um, the entire time. Uh, Michael Cole, um, he's always been there. Kevin Dunn's been really great. Um, I've always had like a really solid base of people to to bounce ideas off of and to reach out to um, at really any time and, and get some really great honest feedback so it's been uh, incredibly helpful so uh, uh, Renee I understand that you gotta sort of be uh, maybe diplomatic's not the right word but you know there's only so much you'll reveal 
But I do want to ask you this question because I think uh, fans are fascinated by this. So as specific as you can, because fans rarely get into this process, what what is your day-to-day like within a given week in terms of preparing for a Monday Night Raw show? <laughs> I don't know yet. I'm so still trying <laughs> to figure that out. Um, you know, when I'm preparing for doing a kickoff panel, I've got that, that down to a T. I know what I need. Um, I know what I, I know what I'm going to need to lean on, and I, I'm I'm a massive over preparer. I always want to have more work done than less, and I was and I'm also not afraid to completely abandon all that work I've done and just react to whatever else is in front of me. So I'd rather have that leg work done um, in case I need to lean on that. But with doing raw, yeah, I still haven't found my process yet. When I was doing May Young Classic, that was almost a little bit easier because um, it's all new women. So I could get sort of their their immediate backstory and relay these during their entrances and during moments during the matches. So that was like a great way for me to learn how to do that. But then as I'm getting set to go do Raw, I'm like, wow, well, I already know all of these people, everybody that's watching already knows all the superstars. So what can I bring to the table? That's going to be a different perspective on that. Um, And, you know, I've kind of found as I'm going along, it's definitely having the conversations with, um, with the superstars during the day, um, talking to the producers of the matches, just to see um, what, what all we're trying to tell, what, what nuggets of information that I can bring to the table because uh, I, th- I think that ultimately that will be um, where my success would lie is with um, with the relationships that I have with so many people that are in the ring and everybody backstage to be able to find a way to tell that story. And whether it's getting little quotes or, um, you know, actually sitting down and kind of interviewing them and using that in sort of a journalistic way of like, hey, I talked to Finn Balor earlier today and blah, blah, blah. Um, I think that's definitely something that I will be using going forward. Um, but yeah, I just, I haven't quite found what I need yet to be prepared because a lot of it is telling a story, but then it's also just reacting to what you're seeing in the ring. Um, so yeah, I don't know yet. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying as quickly as I can to get up to speed and figure out exactly what I need. And, you know, as, as I'm getting closer right now, um, I think this comes out on Monday, but uh, I will be calling my very first pay-per-view, and that's going to be different than calling Monday Night Raw. So everything's on this incredible learning curve right now, and I'm just trying to keep my head above water. If you can say, how much are you aware of specific match activity versus the research, as you pointed out, storyline, backstory, talking to the uh, WWE performers backstage? Um, that's something that I, I actually prefer to be in the dark about stuff like that. Um, I prefer to have a natural reaction to things. And I think for what my role is on commentary, I don't think I need to know that stuff. Um, I think that's more of like a a Michael Cole spot, um, that he would need to know kind of more of that information. But so far, um, I've been kept in the dark to have natural reactions to things. yeah, I, I prefer to work that way in general. Uh, yeah, I, I like to, I like, I love the question mark and I love being able to discover things and have fun moments. Even for me, selfishly, it's fun for me to, to be like, oh my gosh, this thing is happening. Like, 
it's it's really cool to be able to have that and then be able to relay that emotion to other people. We often hear about how NXT develops in-ring talent. How do you feel NXT shaped you as an announcer? Um, you know, getting into NXT, I think for everybody, at, at whatever version of performer you are, there's definitely more, there's more of a sense of freedom. There's more of a sense of being able to play and uh, be, be in control of what you're doing a little bit more. When I started down at NXT, so I was doing NXT and still doing Raw and SmackDown. I believe I was doing both shows and as well as NXT. Um, so it was great for me to sort of see the differences between Raw and SmackDown and NXT, especially while you're trying to learn your role and sort of taking out your piece of the pie to see how you fit into the equation. And being down at NXT, um, yeah, there's there's just like a – it feels a little lighter that if you want to change up some verbiage or you want to um, have a bigger reaction to something, and I'm just speaking from like the um, doing backstage interviews point of view. Right. Um, it's definitely a great way to introduce yourself to the WWE universe as well, which is like, there's such a amazing fan base that love to watch everything that we do, that that's a great way to kind of dip your toe and let people see who you are as opposed to going right into the big shows doing Raw and SmackDown and people are like, what, who's this? What are they doing? What's happening? And that's kind of from all points of view, from like the, the fan perspective to um, people working in the company, everything is in steps, I think. Um, but yeah, I think working down at NXT and even from when I was doing commentary is like, also the person I was doing commentary then is so much different than the person doing commentary. Now I feel like I was like, sort of like a, more of a young girl trying to find her footing and trying to be clever and funny in ways that it didn't really work or fit. So now that um, I, I understand that a little bit better, I'm hoping to uh, to do a better job on commentary. That's interesting. I may, I may have asked you this um, at Sports Illustrated, but I'll, I'll ask it again for this audience. What was your WWE ad- audition like? Um, I imagine it was done in Stanford, Connecticut at the headquarters. And if that's the case, what do they have you do for the job? So funny you ask, because WWE actually just released, I believe yesterday, my audition tape, or part of it. Oh, wow. Um, it's so <laughs> funny to see, I mean, from 2012, and I believe it was probably around September, um, to see that audition. And I really went into it not, I just didn't know what it was that I was going to be doing with WWE. So like, I started... Um, with doing the show aftermath and the score in Toronto and doing a post show for WWE. So I, I knew the product, I knew what I was talking about, but that wasn't necessarily useful for my audition. That it, the, the thing that they released was um, I was given uh gosh, I don't even know what it was. Like it looks it's some kind of plug outlet thing. I don't know what it was, but they were like, Hey, take this and sell it to me. They gave me 30 seconds to prepare something. And I was like, okay. Um, so, yeah, I had to sell them this thing. I told them that it was a pet groomer, which looking back to it, I'm like, what was what's going through my head? What is this? Um, but I had to do that. So that was part of it. Um, another thing was they had me jump in and do commentary. I did commentary with Matt Stryker. He was uh, in and around the studio that day when I was doing my audition. 
Um, and geez, did I, I used to think I didn't know what I was doing when I was doing NXT. I was really like, oh my gosh, I have no idea how to do commentary in any capacity whatsoever. So, um, yeah, to say that I was stress sweating at that moment is probably an understatement. Uh, I had to do that. And then I also, then I did get to do sort of like a post show or a panel style show where I just got to sit and talk about the past week of Monday Night Raw. And that was more my wheelhouse. I was like, okay, that I can do. Uh, and doing the selling of this object, I did some serviceable uh, justice to. Um, but yeah, I believe those were the three things I did. And then just had a general meeting when I went to a boardroom and talked to uh, a bunch of different people there about different different opportunities and different roles of things that I could be doing. And then when I started, I was still kind of like, so what am I doing here? What's my role going to be? And <laughs> it's just really interesting to see where things have all gone. You know, you kind of like, even now it's like I never in a million years would have thought or even put it on my vision board. If I had a vision board of, of being on Monday night raw as a full-time commentator. But I think there's so many different steps that lead you into the spot that you're supposed to be. And I, I truly feel that with, with the spot that I'm in right now. How far from the audition process to you getting a call when they offered you the job? Was it a long, was it a long wait or a short wait? I think it was maybe a couple of weeks. So I was, um, yeah, it was a really funny time for me because my contract at the score was up. I was just I was just about done. And actually, they were lovely, the Levies who owned the score. Uh, I, I asked them, I was like, hey, I'm not going to be working here anymore, but can you guys just extend my contract for like another month or two <laughs> while I'm trying <laughs> to figure everything out? And they were actually lovely. And they're like, okay, fine. Um, so I was able to kind of hang out the score for a little bit longer um, while I was waiting for everything to happen with WWE, but also the week prior to going to WWE, I went in and auditioned at ESPN. So I had a right. lot of question marks about where I was going. It was either going to be Bristol, Connecticut or Stanford, Connecticut. Um, either way, <laughs> something Connecticut based that ultimately ended up in Queens, New York. But um, yeah, I was just kind of uh, sitting, waiting for that phone call to see what I was going to do. It was really a stressful time. It's like your contract's coming to an end. You're hoping that one of these things comes comes through. You're also a Canadian that now has to worry about getting your visas put together. And what a fiasco pain in the butt that is. Um, and, and then, yeah, I think it was maybe just, I would say it was like two two, three weeks at the most of getting the call from WWE that we were going to do it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess so. If I auditioned in September, maybe it was late August. God, my timeline's ridiculous. But I know it was about October by the time that I moved down um, to, to New York. By the way, Renee, congrats on being the rare uh, person from Toronto who dreams of living in Connecticut from <laughs> the city of Toronto. <laughs> To be fair, that was not my goal. And when I went out there, I was so confused. And I'm like, okay, so what do I just have to move to Stanford now? So I went out there and I looked at a bunch of apartments and I was like, wait, these are all so really expensive. I'm just going to go live in New York then. So yeah, I was like, I'm just going to have my New York experience and, and scratch that itch instead. And man, am I happy I did that. You have a very unique situation as a broadcaster, given that your husband is involved in the same show that you are commentating on, or at least could be. Um, yeah. you've been part of storyline before. So how does your real life, if at all, impact what viewers will hear from you when Dean Ambrose is appearing on Raw? Well, to be honest, it has not come up yet. So in the three times that I've called Monday Night Raw, the first time 
just so happened to be the night that Dean Ambrose was making his triumphant return from a terrible uh, tricep uh, surgery. So he was coming back, but it was luckily for me, it was such a quick thing, very end of the show, big, big reaction. And it made more sense for me to not say anything during that moment, because I don't think anything that I could have said during that would have added to the story that we're telling with him coming back. I didn't want to be a distraction for that. Um, and, and, uh, the last two times it's been quick stuff with the shield, um, or tag matches with Seth. So it's not really been a moment yet of him just doing his, like doing a singles match or having like a full, you know, 20 minute tag match that I can kind of chime in on so far. It's been stuff with the shield, uh, versus Braun Strowman, Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre, where we're kind of looking at the shield as a whole and this other new unit as a whole. So it's not really come up of like, Hey, what's Dean Ambrose's problem. Um, so right. I'm not sure how, I'm not sure how that's going to go yet. I've definitely been thinking about it. Um, but I, I'm not, I, I just don't know. I, I don't want it to be a thing that gets in the way or becomes a little bit too like, Oh my gosh, you're his wife. Let's, you know, take her hostage and make me part of the storyline. I think I would prefer to stay away from stuff like that. But of course, I mean, listen, we work for WWE things happen and I'm, I'm game to roll with whatever comes down my way. And like you said, we've done that before. We've done a thing with Ms. and Maurice where it's come up. We've been on total divas together before. Um, but at this point in where we both are in our careers, I'm not, I'm not sure how that's going to shake out. Um, so yeah, I guess stay tuned. <laughs> I'm hoping to do it justice. I'm hoping to do him justice. I mean, man, he is, he lives and breathes professional wrestling and he is someone who has listened and watched this for as long as he can remember. So I'm hoping that with this new role and this spotlight that's been shone on everything. And I'm like, all right, here we go. Let's try to do the family proud. Yeah, he's in, he's a, the dude is in sick shape right now. And just for the listeners who don't know, um, Renee uh, and WWE fans will know this famously slapped the Miz in ring uh, once, <laughs> and then was on the uh, was on the backhand of a Maurice slap. So in the parlance of wrestling, good. Renee has yeah, Renee has taken bumps basically, and so she's <laughs> she's she's passed that Rubicon. Um, Renee, are you a fan one, of wrestling one time lingo? Only it did happen, and unfortunately, when yeah. you're getting slapped, you just have to take the slap. <laughs> I will say this, Renee. Prior to doing this interview, I did my research and I watched Maurice slap you, and she slapped you. There's you did that was no yeah, fake there, man. and you 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 had to take it, and you did very well. That was tough. Um, you know, you, it was you, like you could you could free. Where I'm like, it was like that stress of like, okay, this is happening. It's gonna go down again. My stress sweat level is through the roof. I'm like, oh, I'm been slapped in the face ever. Uh, yeah, my ear was just <laughs> for a second after that. <laughs> yeah, if you if you if you trust me, anybody who's watching this, just freeze frame that. Renee's not faking that reaction. That's a slap. <laughs> no, I'm not. But if you do freeze frame me slapping Miz, you uh, could maybe see that I didn't actually quite connect. So kudos. Yeah, to Miz. That, yeah. Miz Miz is a good performer there. He pulled that off. All right, a couple <laughs> more here. Um, for me, the two best perform. This is obviously subjective. The two best performers for me in the history of the company actually are not wrestlers. It's Stephanie McMahon and Paul Heyman because they sell oh, the yeah. character better than any anyone. You have worked with both. Why mm -hmm. are both so great in their specific roles? Gosh. Um, you know, I mean, why is why is any performer so great? I think for, for both of them, they have lived 
and breathed and grew up doing what they do. Stephanie is, you know, she has literally been brought in from, from the inception to, to where she's at now that she has such a grasp on her character, on committing to the things that she's doing. And it's same with Paul Heyman. It's like this switch happens where you can see this intensity in their eyes. or But it also, you can tell that they're having fun doing it. Um, so I, I wish, I don't, I don't even know how to put my finger on what makes them so great, but I think it's just like uh, being so committed to what they're doing and being able to get together with writers and producers and they're really in charge of their own segments as well. And I think that would definitely lend a hand to, to the honesty that they're able to portray out there. Uh, they're both just they're both just incredible performers. It's like that intensity when I when I have the the pleasure of sitting down. I mean, I got to do that interview with Paul Heyman a, a couple of weeks ago, yep. where we were knee to knee and talking about him and Brock Lesnar splitting up. And man, what what a treat to sit across from somebody that is giving so much. And I feel like it gives me something to do as well. And I love being able to feed off of the things that they're doing. I've not had moments um, with Stephanie uh, myself that have been like that, but I've had them with Paul many times. And it's just, it's just on another level. It's everything is kicked up another level and it's, uh, it's, it's impossible to match their, their league of their own. So I know Heyman a little bit. He's been on this podcast and he, ha- and we, we will direct message each other on Twitter every now and then. And so he, I told him you were going to be on and I asked him like, could you give me a question that she's just going to, it's going to spin her head. She's like, be like, how oh, on earth no. did this guy know <laughs> this? So, so he, he, he of course did not do that, but he did. He did. He did give me this. So I'm going to read this to you because it'd be interesting to get your reaction. It's interesting you just brought this okay. up. So this is from this is from Paul Heyman. I've been the recipient of quite a bit of praise regarding an interview I did on WWE Monday Night Raw. And the truth be told, the unsung hero of that televised moment was Renee Young. I was given the opportunity to work with a total pro, someone who was willing to invest her own emotions into a dramatic presentation in which I could tell the story of my anguish and uncertainty over Brock Lesnar's betrayal of our relationship. I was only able to tap into what was necessary for that segment because I had the chance to look into Renee's eyes and see the level of apprehension in asking the questions and her discomfort at witnessing, indeed experiencing, the advocate's pain with which was being projected to the world inches away from her. That's an, There's an old expression that you're only as good as your dance partner, and I was blessed on that day to be given the opportunity to look so good, looking so bad, because I got to dance on camera with Renee. I'm forever in her debt, for I am the beneficiary of a ton of credit that rightfully needs to be shared equally with her. So he basically put you over in this email to me, um, saying that, yeah, he got a lot of praise for it, but he wouldn't have been able to get to the place he wanted to without you helping him sell that. Well, first of all, publicly, I would just like to say right now, Paul Heyman, I love you oh so much. He's always been so, so kind to me. He's always, he has just had my back so much. Um, it's so many different points. Honestly, from, from the point when I like, maybe was here for a year or two and, you know, still figuring out what I was going to be doing, trying to prove myself. I would sit up in the stands um, and, and talk to Paul and he would give me advice. And, you know, he's always been so great at giving nuggets of wisdom to me and telling me all all of the great things that I could one day accomplish. And, you know, he's like, you could host anything that you wanted to do because you'll just put in the work and you'll be so great at it. 
Um, but one of the things that I've always loved about working with Paul is that it really taps into what my initial background is, which is I, I was studied method acting. And I, I did improv and acting and then just somehow became a TV host. And um, for me to be able to use those things, and I don't get to use those skills all that much, but when I do get to use them with Paul Heyman, um, I'm, I, I always just, I feel a little lighter and happier. I love being able to do those things. And he, uh, he just has a way about him of drawing things out of you. And I love, I love even attempting in any capacity to step up and go toe to toe with Paul. And even if it's just something of me being able to maintain eye contact with him while he is doing this, uh, poetic, beautiful piece. And I get to be a part of that. It's, it's amazing. It's so cool. Yeah, that's great. All right, so f- we'll finish up on a couple here. Who are you close to on the road? Do you have a group of people who are in the company who you either travel with or hang out with? Yeah, um, I mean, a bunch. It's, I feel like most of my close friends now are people that I work with. It's like we spend so much time together. Um, we go through so many different things together. But um, on uh, on a regular day, a lot of my time is spent with, uh, with Corey Graves, Mike Mansuri, who's one of our producers, um, Vic Joseph, who uh, is doing 205 Live, Percy Watson. Uh, those are guys that I'm spending a lot of time with during the day. Um, but uh, Natalia is a really close friend of mine. Brie Bella, Maurice, uh, Carmela. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I've got good friendships with a lot of people there. But on the day-to-day, um, staying in contact about stuff, it's probably more in the uh, Mansuri, Corey Graves. Uh, those, those, those are my two dudes. One of the things that, Renee, was interesting to me was when this announcement came, and it, listen, this is a big deal. It does, people can think what they want about professional wrestling, but it goes beyond professional wrestling just given um, that a woman has never been in your position. It seemed like the majority of people, if you looked on social media, if you looked at um, people who have uh, worked for the company before, or even wrestlers who don't work for the company, were really happy for you. That That is not always the case on social media. <laughs> Do you have any kind of sense... As to why, I mean, listen, I'm sure you got trolled by some people, but generally speaking, oh my God. far more positive positive than negative. I wonder why, why, yeah, why it, do you have any sense as to it, why you think that is? I don't know. I'm like, do I owe people, like, I think I, I think I should owe people money. Like, do I have a Venmo account I can send cash to for everybody <laughs> being so nice to me or, like, buy everyone a drink at the bar? Um, I, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know. It's amazing, and I'm so happy that, that, the, you know, for the most part, the feedback has all been so great. And I think like, you know, it's, I love that the, the WWE universe has like embraced me and has been so, so good to me. And I know that that's really not always the case, but to be able to have like the love and respect from my peers, that means so much to me to step up into this role. And it's like, you'd be on shaky ground, I think, if you didn't have that, or I would be at least. So I'm happy to know that so many people are backing me up and really believe in me to be able to do this role. Um, It's a very difficult role to be stepping up into. And I know I have a ton of work ahead of me to do it all justice. And I can't wait to really start applying all of that work and get better and um, hopefully become really good at, at commentary. But yeah, I mean, just having the, the support of so many people is, is insane. And I guess it's, you know, I'm sure a lot of people backstage, they see the hard work that I put in. Um, I think a lot of people can see that I'm capable of more than what I've been given. 
um, so far. I, you know, I've been really trying to prove myself as like, I can handle more. I want to do more. I want to speak more. I want to be able to be more of a personality. And a lot of people have really had my back with that. And now it's all just kind of coming together. So yeah, I couldn't be happier about it. It's really cool. Very humbling. Renee, who is the most uh, memorable person or maybe well-known person outside of wrestling who reached out to you to say, hey, congratulations on this. This is really cool. <laughs> Actually, we were trying to like, who's like the weirdest person that messaged you when this was announced? So we were trying to scroll to see who like the coolest one. For me, one of the coolest ones was O'Shea Jackson Jr. Um, I mean, I'm a <laughs> huge fan of his. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of his. It's funny because he's been at the Staples Center a few times. I'm like, man, I really love the movie Ingrid Goes West. He's like, I think you're the only person. Um, but yeah, I, he was a really like kind of cool one that I had. Um, Cyborg, UFC, she, she tweeted me, yep. so that was kind of cool. Um, but other than that, I mean, it honestly still like blows my mind to have have like somebody like Ric Flair shoot you a text and like, hey man, congratulations, Nina. And it's like typical Ric Flair fashion. But it's it's always mind boggling to me that um that these people know who I am. It's bizarre. That's great. Hopefully Flair was wearing his alligator shoes when he texted you. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, all right, final two. Uh, you've been spotted at Vegas Golden Knights games. You're obviously a Torontonian, so you have hockey in you. Are one before I ask you this question: Are you a is the Vegas Golden Knights uh, thing? Are you are you a fan of them, or just that's the closest place you can go to watch hockey? Well, at first it started off as being the clo- closest place that I could go to watch hockey, and I mean, man, over the year they had. How could you not become a fan of the Las Vegas Golden Knights? I've always felt like since I moved to Vegas. I've always just kind of been like, what what happens here? What do people do here that live here? Um, you know, I'm a Toronto girl. I've, I'm used to being in a city that has different neighborhoods and different uh, different cultural things going on over here. It's like it's the strip and then it's the suburbs. Um, so I've always kind of been trying to figure out exactly what happens here. So to get a hockey team, I was like, yes, this is something I can go do. So to be able to go and check out games and really get behind the team during what an incredible season they had. It was just this amazing Cinderella story. But even going to the games, that's great. But going to the grocery store on, on uh, game days and seeing like dudes in jerseys and everyone's high-fiving <laughs> each other, it actually like showed me part of like the community that does exist in Vegas that I was uh, a little bit iffy about where that was and what people did. Um, so I'm actually thankful that that, that was a thing that, that even happened. But yeah, I'm definitely going to be attending many, many games. Um, hopefully the season, oh, it's, it, there's no way it can live up to last season, but, uh, I'm in. Yeah. The re- so the reason I was asking, I was just going to ask you what you thought of was the Max Pacioretty trade. I was going to ask you a hockey question, oh, basically. It's unbelievable. I think, you know, I think just with the shakeups that have happened, um, over the off season, looking at where we're going to be sitting. Yeah. There's going to be some big changes, but getting, uh, getting, getting Max out here, I think is going to be unbelievable. I can't wait to, uh, I've, maybe I got to switch up my Jersey. I don't know right now. I'm <laughs> I was one of those nerdy people that put their own name on the back of the jersey only because when I got one, it was so new. I wasn't, I was a little bit noncommittal, but now I, I think I got to <laughs> up the ante and actually get like a legit jersey, not one that's as good on the back. That's embarrassing. Yeah. Watch out for the Leafs though this year, Renee. Your hometown is going to be I good. I know. So honestly. It's, it's worth following them. These are two wrestling related questions. All right. They're, okay. they're, they're incredibly dumb, but who cares? Um, okay, so like final, key, final, f- yeah, final two. All right. Who wins, the Shield 
versus Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, and Kevin Nash in their NWO NWO run. Who's winning Man. that? If, uh, <laughs> I know, Renee. Well, it's so it's it's I really think, wrong. I After a serious interview, married, I apologize. <laughs> to marriage alone, I gotta go to the Shield. I mean, these guys, as they let you know, they're the workhorses of WWE. They're ready to do damage. <laughs> I am married to one of them. I'm sticking with the Shield. All right, I like that. All right, now this one is interesting, just because you now live, breathe, and you are part of the wrestling culture. Your husband, obviously, like Rollins, those two guys are so into wrestling, which is great. So if I, if you could book a dream match to call, let's say it's you and Cole. Uh, it doesn't have to be you and Cole, but just for, for argument's sake, we'll make it. So you can book a dream match, any wrestler at any time ever. What would you, who, what would be the match you'd love to call? What would you book? Huh, huh, huh. Interesting. Um, you know what? I would, um, I'm going to be a homer here, and I would say um, uh, Dean Ambrose, Roddy Piper. Ooh, I like yeah. that, actually. That would be kind of cool because I was just thinking, like, man, what are my, like one of my favorite matches is always the Hollywood Backlot Brawl. Um, Gold Dust is also one of my favorite WWE superstars of all time, right? Um, and uh, he has been for a very long time. So I was trying to to tap into that a little bit, but I think, uh, yeah, I mean, calling something with Roddy Piper would be unbelievable. Yeah, I'm. I love. Yeah, I have to admit, I'm. Uh, I'm probably a homer for Rousey just because of her how much like uh, homage and tribute she pays to Piper. So I, I really yeah, appreciate amazing. that from, uh, from her. So that's, uh, it's that's so cool. And of course, to, like, watch her do that and like see her paying homage to, to Piper. But like, man, that woman, uh, she, she just gets it. It's amazing. It's so cool to watch. Yeah. And Okerlund and Piper, uh, cutting promos together. Seriously. I, if, on, <laughs> I could watch that all day, all day on yeah. YouTube and, Basically, not contribute to society except just watch that YouTube stuff. It's great. <laughs> Anything with Gene Okerlund, I'm in. I love that man. Oh, so much. Missed that guy. He's great. All right. Let us give Renee Young's bio again. Let's let her get out of here. Renee Young made her WWE television debut, as I said earlier, March of 2012. Since then, she soared up the company. Uh, various assignments. You you know her from all the different stuff she's done and was just recently named as a full-time commentator on Monday Night Raw. That's the flagship show for WWE. Uh, first woman ever to do that. Total trailblazer when it comes to sports entertainment and absolutely one of the people who is most over in the WWE universe. Very hard to find people who don't like Renee Young. And plus she's Canadian, so checkbox <laughs> for that. Listen, Renee, I will let the people know um, who listen to this podcast because they should know that we were originally scheduled to tape this yesterday. And so you were kind enough to actually come the next day and do this podcast. You didn't diva me. You didn't you didn't big time me. So you have uh, you're now over in my book, basically. And I appreciate that. No, I'm very, very much for doing that. I'm happy to have done the podcast with you. Uh, always nice talking to you. This is our second time, and hopefully there will be yep. more in the future. But I appreciate you taking the time, and obviously you did a bunch of research, so I'm sorry you had to Google me so much. <laughs> yeah, but there's no doubt the NWO <laughs> would beat the Shield. Otherwise, your answers were perfect on this. That, that's pre- pretty much how I'll... I'll, I'll... <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right, Renee, Renee Young, check her out. Obviously, she's uh, she's been blowing up over the last couple of years, and you will see her on Raw. Renee, thanks so much for joining us on the Sports Media Podcast. All right, back in the studio. My thanks to Renee Young, who, uh, who I think is awesome. Um, she was great on the previous interview I did with her and uh, lived up to her billing again today, and congrats to her on her position. 
Um, my thanks to Lou Pellegrino as well. And again, uh, no bullshit here. Renee, uh, we had to cancel that interview, and I figured, like, you know, I'd have to do something else. But she totally stepped up and and uh, was like, yeah, I'll make time for you the next day. So I uh, really appreciate that, especially given that people are going to be interested in this, given we're going to release it right before Raw. Um, all right, if you want to check out previous podcasts um, on the Sports Media Podcast page, um, we've had a couple roundtables, uh, Adam Schefter and Shanae Ogumake, Rebecca Lowe of NBC, uh, and the list uh, goes on from Carissa Thompson to Doris Burke to Adnan Burke, Vern Lundquist. Uh, head over to Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Google Play, and if you like it, please give us a review. Uh, we'll continue to try to get interesting people like Renee Young on this podcast. All right, for uh, my producer, Lou Pellegrino, this is Richard Deitch. We'll see you again on the Sports Media Podcast. <laughs>